Welcome to Rock and Roll Shinsu Chu, episode number 19. My name is Gabe Estel, and I'm here with my co-host, Dennis Levi Leach and Jonathan Getz. How's it going, guys? Hola. Rock and roll. Hola. That's what I like to hear. Well, guys, um, we're going to start the show off tonight by talking about really what is uh, my favorite time of the year. Pitchers and catchers are reporting to spring. Yes. Life Finally. It's a yes. again. So um, most teams are reporting. I think the Cubs report tomorrow. No, Cubs reported today, which yep. recording this on Thursday, the 19th of February. And then the White Sox report tomorrow. And the Royals, I'm not sure. Are they already down there? Yeah, they, they're they like stretching and shit. So. Our team's playing. Uh, no, no. So I think Rock and Roll Shinsu Chu should make a trek out there because <laughs> all yeah. three play. You know, we don't, we don't have to split the Florida, Arizona. <laughs> right, you know? right. right. So nice. that'd be great. Yeah, and have you yeah. seen the photos? There's been photos of these old chests that teams have that they've been using for years that they put, I don't know, catcher's equipment or whatever in. And they've been using these, the, like, one chest for 50 years. Wow. And they're pretty cool looking. Hmm, neat. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. This is with the Royals or is it with a bunch of um, different? It was, it was a couple of random teams. Okay. Uh, I, I forget exactly who. I'll have to dig them up and post them on our Twitter. One one of my favorite parts of spring training as well is to see yesteryear might be too strong of a term, but to see kind of players trying to make a comeback. We talked about, you know, oh, yeah. topic a couple weeks ago, but like just looking at some of the names on the white. So like Brad Penny is trying to make a go of it. Man. Yeah. Giovanni Soto is trying to make a go. I of saw it. that. Yeah. Which he might, he's actually got, I think a, he could break through. Yeah. He, I think he could get, I think he, actually will be our backup catcher um uh but uh gosh there's a couple others um that uh that escaped me at the moment but Brad is ricky Pitt, henderson still ricky henderson. julio franco they're still trying julio franco might be a jamie moyer yeah i don't yeah. know um but yeah it's always fun to see those names you know like i, I keep thinking i'm gonna see like you know, like Sean Green or, you know, Cliff Floyd or something, you know. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting uh, dynamic with those sorts of players because that's that's kind of an untold story in baseball. Uh, the guys who are really just hanging on, uh, you know, for, for a bit more of a paycheck or just because they like to play baseball, but, you know, they know, you know, that's they're 37 or 38 and they probably aren't going to make the team, but they just want to yeah. hang out with the guys or something and, and yeah, it's pretty romantic, I guess. Absolutely. Um, I've never been in the position, but I could see why someone would want to do it. I mean, I don't know Brad Penny's financial situation, but I know for a while, yeah. for at least, you know, three, four seasons, he was a pretty coveted pitcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played with the Dodgers. Um, and when he, uh, gosh, he's, he's on a few teams, he bounced around a little bit. But, you know, I would imagine he was awarded one lucrative contract at least. So, uh, so yeah, the dude might just be doing it, like you said, because... You know, he wants to wants to see what's left in the tank, or he just kind of likes the atmosphere. You know, yeah, yeah. Be that heartbroken if he has to go home. You know, <laughs> oh, and and I mean, these guys, you, you know, thirty seven or thirty eight. Yeah, that in 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 sports terms, that's old. You know, it's it, but it's different um, because that's just us in a, in a few more years, and we wouldn't <laughs> exactly be ready to retire in a few years, no matter how much money we had. Because what are you going to do? Right. Other than spend your money. Yeah. Yeah. One name I wanted to throw out there is is Johan Santana still kicking around somewhere? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think so. Um, Because he was coming back a bit 
like the most sought after pitcher in baseball. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I'll have to look into it. Uh, yeah, maybe a little longer than five or six years ago, but whenever he whenever he joined the Mets. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then he would come back and he would be solid for a couple months, and then he would, you know, the elbow would inflame or something. And right. <laughs> Dontrell Willis kicking around? No, 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 no. Oh. No. <laughs> Well, I will cock my hat to the side. For <laughs> but you know, I'm glad that that spring train is finally here because I'm 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 tired of hearing how the countdown of days to pitchers and catchers reporting. Um, because I like not having to pay attention to a sport for a little bit, and baseball is a long season. Very. And I mean, the the World Series just finished up a few months ago, and uh, it's like let's just not talk about baseball. Um, uh, you know, all hours of the day other than this podcast. Right. And uh, because it's re- refreshing to come back and then, you know, uh, re-examine everything uh, yeah. anew. And, uh, uh, you know, it's it's one thing for Susan Sarandon to talk about it uh, in Bull Durham, uh, you know, how many days till pitchers and catchers report. But hearing uh, uh, 45-year-old men uh, mention it every day on Twitter is is uh, a little less endearing, I guess. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I'll say this, and I think I've said it before. I think spring training's too long. There's too many games. Yeah. Like, we don't need 30 spring training games. I, I, I mean, I, I don't even know. I guess they play the full game just because people are there watching. But, I mean, what is it? I don't know. It's it's a it's like a half a game, really, in terms yeah. of effort. Oh yeah, <laughs> split squads, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I don't think guys like have to stay. You know what I mean? Like if it's if you're at if it's the regular season and you're at the park, you know what I mean? You you stick around until the end of the game, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I think in spring training, I think like they can leave. You know, that's sort. Yeah, yeah, they got to go like open a steakhouse or something in, in Scottsdale. Yeah. Fajitas at the Chili's next door to the ballpark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah, all of the I would imagine all of the um, all of the steakhouses and gentlemen's clubs right now in <laughs> in Florida and <laughs> the area. <laughs> like, yes, <laughs> it's a boon to the economy. Yes, absolutely. But I don't. I just. I don't think they need to. They, I mean, they play a full month. You know. I mean, yeah. it's a lot. It is excessive. I. I agree. Yeah, five weeks of games practically. You know. I mean, shit. Like it's. It's just. It's. I. I say like, start March first. Two weeks a game. Two weeks of conditioning. Two weeks of games. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It would probably do it, considering how long the the, the season is as yeah. well. I mean, jeez. Uh-huh. And, you yeah. know, who's going to be the one guy? Somebody's going to blow out a knee or an arm right. in spring training. Who's going to be the guy? Like a big name. It's going to happen. It'll who's happen. It be? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. When you, you know, when you play 30 games, you know, somebody's bound to get hurt, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, and also, I don't know all the specifics. I think, like, rookies reports, like, there's, like, a rookie camp as well. I don't know. You guys know that? Like, yeah. like some guys stick around like longer. Some guys, yeah, yeah. some guys, yeah, some guys, yeah, into the season longer, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. So it's it's a big enterprise, really. Um, the whole the whole thing. So so spring training is starting. Uh, also, the summer summer concert season is shaping up. Um, yeah, so it's we, been dry for a while, so it's nice to hear some dates spitting out. Right. Yeah. Hey, we've talked a little bit about, you know, some of the festival lineups have been announced. You know, Bonnaroo has been announced. Um, 
the hangout down in Gulf Shores. That one, that one was announced. I think pretty much Coachella, a lot. Of Coachella yeah. was been announced. ACDC playing Coachella, um, which I I definitely can get behind. Um, I think pretty much just about all of them, but Lollapalooza have have uh, have confirmed the bulk of their lineup. So yeah, yeah. Pitchfork, Pitchfork, right? Yeah, yeah. Wilco going to play Pitchfork. Yeah, um, that's cool. So yeah, so that is that is cool. Um, yeah, Wilco's played. I think you know they've they've played every possible venue you can play in Chicago. Out, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was badass when they did that um, one year where they played several different venues in the span of a couple weeks. Was it? Yeah, of varying sizes too. Yeah. I, I don't quote me on this, but I might. I, I think they might have played one show at Shuba's, and Shuba's only holds like two hundred people. Wow. Yeah, I think. I think. I know they played the Metro. Which isn't that big either. No, it's, yeah, the metros. It's bigger than Shuba's. Yeah, jeez. Yeah, I, so. but it, what was it? It was four or five different venues in the span of a yeah. week or so. Yeah, they played. They played kind of some of the venues they they normally play. Like they 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 played the Riviera down the street. Um, they played one of the bigger theaters downtown, either the Chicago mm-hmm. Theater, or the Auditorium Theater. Um, yeah, I think they played the Aragon as well. That's so. pretty cool. I mean, you never hear anything bands doing anything like that. That's that's pretty neat. And I mean, this is a compliment. They're kind of Chicago's house band, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, but anyway, the summer concert season is shaping up. Um, one tour that I heard about this week that I think sounds like a hoot is um, doesn't contain Wilco. It can. <laughs> Def, although they would be an interesting addition to the bill, um, <laughs> it can it's Def Leppard headlining, um, which they're always kind of out on the road in the summer playing the summer sheds um, with somebody usually at this point in their career. Uh, Def Leppard, Sticks, and Tesla. Woo! I know, I know. I don't like. I want to lift up my shirt to that. That's... You know, right. <laughs> <laughs> I think that sounds like a really good time. And, um, I, you know, the dates, like, it, I wish they were playing downtown, but they're playing out in Tinley Park. Um, God, I wish I could, I, you know, I, I'll tr- try to look into going. Like, that would be a perfect show for the State Fair, Levi. Like, oh, that would. That would, I mean, yeah, they're going to have to, the, the breweries will have to start making more draft beer now to supply <laughs> that tour with enough beer to feed all the audiences. Record-setting beer sales. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so it, that is just going to be um, just a DUI frenzy waiting yes. to happen. Do you think that they had to like, coordinate with Coors Light to make sure that there was <laughs> right. enough? You guys are going to want to start now. Right. Yeah. Start stocking up in March. <laughs> the show isn't until August, but yeah. Yeah, I think it sounds like fun. You know, it's 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 it a it's a blatant nostalgia. Well, not blatant. Probably not as much as those like Rock Never Stops tours from a few years ago. But yeah, I don't think it was as blatant as last summer's uh, tour that I did. It was uh, that you saw, the Blues yeah. Traveler, Sugar Ray, Smash Mouth, and uh, Uncle Cracker. Yeah, that was awful. Yeah, this line. I mean, I really like, you know, I I was into Blues Traveler a lot back in the day, and it was nice working with them, and, like, I enjoyed their set. Right. But all the other people were, it was just like a... No. <laughs> um, yeah, but, uh, I, fuck it, I, I'll admit it, man. I, as I get older, I have no guilty pleasures. I like all three of those bands. Fuck <laughs> it, I like all three of them, dude. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, particularly I, Tesla. Tesla. 
Tesla just played the pageant about a month ago and sold it out. What's that? Tesla played the pageant about... In St. Louis? Yeah. Yeah, a little less than a month ago, and they sold it out. That's what I like to hear, man. Good deal. Sacramento's finest, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, good for them, man. Yeah. They they tour a lot. Um, I've... I saw them in Peoria, which seems like the perfect place to see them. <laughs> a uh, rocker um, or like a Moline. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's Tesla territory. Oh, definitely. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, and that sounds patronizing when I say that, but I don't no, mean it that way. Yeah. Um, um, I saw them in Peoria at the old Madison Theater, which I don't think hosts shows anymore. Uh, yeah, I think if, my it's, knowledge, if it's least. not torn down, I know that. I think they may have torn it down. Yeah. Is that where we saw widespread and like as 110 degrees? Yeah, we saw yeah. we saw government yeah. people there. It uh, was a, it was a neat little theater in Peoria. In the late 90s, early aughts, it was kind of like the jam band stop for Central mm-hmm. Illinois. Yeah. Like Mo played there. Yeah. It, it was Peoria's wetlands. Yeah. Right, exactly. Good, <laughs> That's well too played. bad that they they tore it down. Yeah. I, yeah, I know I think it like it there. fell into disrepair and yeah, Jay Goldberg Jay Goldberg Productions, mm-hmm. he owned it and I think if they just, you know yeah. one of those things were just eh. Yeah, but now Panic played there a few times. I think that time we saw them was the last time they played there, I think. I know I saw Mo there and it was like a million degrees as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a it's just a hot old theater, man. Oh my god, like like they had like two little fans. We were up in the balcony and I'm <laughs> yeah. I'm always the I am the last guy that would ever think of taking a shirt off at a at a concert. <laughs> but dude, it was off in like Everybody 15 had. minutes. We all did, dude. Yeah. And it was it was it was like 95 outside during the set break. We we they let us go outside to cool off where it was 95 (laughs) degrees yeah like people were like buying bottles of water just to dump it on their head it was amazing i also remember i I better wrap this up here in a second and move on but i I also saw we went down to the lobby and the show was sold out you know i mean this was like 1999 so that was like you know Mm -hmm. kind of the the peak of panic's popularity Mm -hmm. um you know, so it was just like just so much body heat, you know, in the lobby and everybody's just everybody's slimy. I saw this couple like intensely making out <laughs> and I'm like, I don't care how attractive you are. Oh, like to do that in 100 degrees, like after you've been sweating all night. Fuck, I don't know if ecstasy was involved. Or what. Of course like, it was. <laughs> hell with that. I don't care who it is. All right. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> it's just like oh, I almost threw up. I was like, oh, God, that's gross. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, hardcore. Like he was like like holding her and just like everybody like just like, it was like it looked like a joke kiss, you know? Like it looked like looks like Will Ferrell and Christine V, you know what I mean? Like make, making out or something. It was like it's uh... like uh-uh. no way. So anyway, I don't know. Yeah, but anyway. So nonetheless, um, spring training is starting. Tours are starting. It's a good time. It, it's a good time of year, and I and I guess I was just looking for something to bitch about when I hear people counting down the days. Right. But, right. Uh, yeah, it's a good time of year. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so that leads us to tonight's theme and the heart of the order. Um, this was driven by, well um, – a guess that I'm going to tell you about here in just a little bit, but um, you know, I read an article. We all love barbecue. Um, Jonathan lives in 
one of the, America's barbecue meccas. And um, a half a mile from one of the greatest barbecue joints in the world. Absolutely. I haven't been to all of them, but I've been to that one, and it's pretty damn good. Um, but anyway. Oklahoma uh, Joe's. I read Oklahoma Joe's, yes. I read an article the other day um, that the price of brisket has has skyrocketed. Yeah, yeah, it's which I guess that was always a pretty cheap cut, usually. Yeah, it know, used to be like a butcher cut, like the butchers exactly. would take it home. Yeah, right. It was it was kind of like what was left over, you know, like nobody wanted that really. Um, but the popularity of I think Texas style barbecue mm-hmm. has really, which you know is you know pretty brisket heavy has just driven up the cost and it's gourmet might be too strong of a term, but it's, it's, you know, like the, the price has gone from like in like big markets like New York and San Francisco and LA, Mm -hmm. like, like, you know, from like three bucks a pound to like 13 bucks a pound. Brisket's the new bacon, man. The new bacon. Absolutely. Thank God. Cause I'm kind of tired of hearing about fucking bacon. Right. Yeah. Bacon. (laughs) Yeah. That's they've, they've kind of, they've kind of rode that. They played it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so anyway, I was like, well, you know, it got me thinking and we had a guest lined up, um, to talk a little bit about Texas's place in music and baseball. Oh, yeah. You know, um, anybody from Texas will tell you that, uh, it's a place that, you know, has, has a culture unto itself and a unique spot in the American landscape. So, um, I just want to go around quickly before we talk about tonight's guest. Do you guys have any... What's your strongest association with either Texas music okay. or Texas baseball? Let's do it that way, and then we'll get to uh, – we'll unveil the guest after that. Sure. Yeah. Well, I have a, a weird memory of Texas because my family, we would go to Colorado every year, and sometimes we would come back through the top of Texas, mm-hmm. and we would stop in Amarillo, Texas. And so, like, my dad would always tune in, like, whatever country stations, you know, we could get on the highway, and we would always be listening to, like, classic 70s, 80s country. Right. And so, you know, we would stay at the Big Texan, which is the place where you have the 72-ounce steak with the baked potato and the salad and the shrimp cocktail, (laughs) and if you eat it all in an hour, it's, you know, free or whatever. The next one's free. Yeah. (laughs) The the pool at the hotel, I'll never forget, because I was a little kid. It was, it's in the shape of Texas. The pool is. Of course it is. Yeah. Everything's better in Texas. I think that was like a bumper sticker. (laughs) Yeah. So that's like classic, classic country. It's my, my, uh, Nice. To yeah. me, to, to piggyback on that, you know, for country music, its place is almost, to me at least, as important as Nashville. You know, oh, yeah, I think even world, more yeah. so for the for the country music I am in, the stuff that I'm, I'm drawn to. Yeah, yeah. Waylon, for me, um, Waylon yeah, Willie. Yeah, I mean, just for that that whole just litany of songwriters as well. Like yeah. Waylon and Willie, obviously, are big Towns names. Van Zandt, Those... Guy Clark. Yeah, right. I mean, like Waylon and Willie, you know, became superstars. Rodney Crowell. Uh, but yeah, like the guys that you just mentioned, Guy Clark, Towns Van Zandt, Rodney Crowell. I think not necessarily household names among just general music fans, you know. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Like people who like Texas country, obviously, those guys are legends. Um but you know, I would, I would say that I would I could mention those three to some of my friends who I think, you know, have, you know, good taste in music, and maybe aside from towns, they wouldn't know who those other guys are. Possibly, 
Um, even, you know, then they wrote a bunch of songs. They wrote artists for other people. Uh, Steve Earle's another guy you could add to that list, um, too. So, yeah, the, the Texas, for me, the strongest association is the Texas songwriter, the kind of Texas troubadour. A lot of the people who were profiled in one of my favorite documentaries ever, Heartworn Highways. Uh, yeah. If you haven't Great seen movie. it, um, check it out. It uh, It's chronicles, I think it was shot in about 75, and it just kind of chronicles um, in a very documentary style. You know, there's no narration or anything. Um, just sort of that scene of Texas singer-songwriters. Um, David Allen Coe? Yeah. yeah, David Allen Coe's in it. Um, he plays at a pr- actually the prison where he was an inmate. <laughs> he uh, he, he drives his own bus. He drives his own bus. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's uh, he's in the decked out in the mysterious rhinestone cowboy. Yeah, stuff. it was that he's, era. Yeah. yeah, it's and it's great. He had just such a kick-ass band then too. I think. Um, and uh, but yeah, Towns, Guy Clark, Steve Earle, Rodney Krause, guy named Steve Young. Uh, who wrote Seven Bridges Road, which you know the Eagles covered and became popular. Um, John Hyatt is in it. Um, so just just so many great people um, are are in it. Um, Charlie Daniels, you know, is in it. Um, so yeah, it's it's just such a good documentary. So that's probably my strongest musical association. And for ba- for baseball, um, you know, I I remember. Um, I remember the mid '80s Astros being pretty good, and oh, they, yeah. they they won yeah. the title. They won the division in '86, and you guys remember that's when um, Mike Scott was one of the best pitchers mm-hmm. in baseball at that mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he might have even won a Cy Young in the mid '80s. Um, but you know, they had Glenn Davis. I was well. always proud of my '86 tops, Glenn Davis. Right, Billy Hatcher, who they got from the Cubs. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, gosh, there's some, there's some other guys out there that I'm that I'm forgetting at the moment. Um, but uh, yeah, I and I did some re- research on it. Um, I guess that that put that championship series between them and the Mets in '86, I guess, is one of the best championship series of all time. Um, you know, it went it, it went into seven games. Um, I think I think one of the games like went into like 14 or 15 innings. You know, it was. Mike Scott was just like on his game, you know, like the dude just couldn't throw a bad pitch. Hmm. Um, so, so yeah. So, and then, I guess you know, that, that was overshadowed by what happened in the world series. Exactly. Yeah. Season. <laughs> and then a ball went between Bill Buckner's legs. Yeah, and that's, yeah, yeah. that's what people think of when they think of 1986 and baseball. Um, so yeah. So that for me, the Texas songwriters and the, the mid eighties Astros. Yeah. I, I failed to mention my baseball and it was in mine. It was real easy. One guy, Nolan Ryan. Oh yeah. Like yeah. as a child, it was like if you Texas and baseball because he was on both teams. Both teams, yeah. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. during my era of collecting, and right. so it was like Texas is all about Nolan Ryan. Yep. Absolutely, quintessential baseball, Texas baseball player. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So and actually, I saw um, you know the famous uh, uh, one of the more famous Nolan Ryan moments is uh, Robin Ventura in the headlock. You know, oh yeah, 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 yeah. you got to see that, huh? Nice. No, no. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, yeah, I was like, whoa, you were at that game? <laughs> no, I saw a photo of it. Yeah, uh, right, which we've right. all seen, obviously. But uh, we were on our way down to uh, Austin a couple years ago. And uh, we stopped at uh, Salt Lake Barbecue, uh, 
uh, is just there, there's one just north of Austin that um, is incidentally right next to the Round Rock Express Rangers AAA affiliate stadium. Okay. It's in Round Rock, Texas. Um, and so uh, in, in the Salt Lake uh, restaurant, uh, which we, we went at like three o'clock in the afternoon and we just walked right in like past all of these, what you knew were line, what would have been lines, like hours worth of lines. And, uh, uh, but there was nobody there cause it's three o'clock on a Wednesday or something yeah. and, uh, got the brisket of course. And it was pretty amazing. It, it's, it's definitely the best brisket I've had with all due respect to Joe's. Um, but Texas is, uh, the, the, they're the champions of brisket and you, you didn't no knife you, and it was, it oh, was God. thick, dude. It was like that thick and you, just a fork, just a little oh, bit. God. You could eat it with a spoon, man. It was, <laughs> uh, it was pretty phenomenal. But so I'm, I'm chowing all this down and right next to me is a framed photo, framed signed photo of Ryan giving Ventura the business. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <great>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess that, um, that Franklin barbecue joint in yeah. Austin, which I think is new went there. Yeah. Um, Oh, you 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 had there. You had that one too. Yeah, I got in line at at ten a.m. and yeah. uh, barely got in at like twelve thirty before. I they heard ran they out. run out of food at two o'clock every yeah. day. Yeah, yeah, and and like people, some people like camp out overnight. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. We got there an hour early. I don't know um, to stand in line, and we stood, and it opened, and we were in line for another hour uh, after they opened. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it, it was pretty good. Um, I prefer the brisket though from, uh, from Salt Lake. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This, uh, this like really hip looking Ira Glass guy runs that place. Um, the Franklin's <laughs> place. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like the dude makes killer barbecue. Oh yeah. yeah. He looks like Ira Glass. Um, so anyway. Bourdain went there. Obama went there. It's oh, yeah. pretty it's, big. It's, it's, it's yeah. like the hot place. But it's, you know? it's tiny. I mean, round uh, or Salt Lake is is like uh, is the the big one and down there and i'm speaking as an out-of-towner obviously and franklin is much more modest it's the gillies of barbecue it's, <laughs> it's huge huge yeah i mean i dallas the dallas fort worth area has has good joints too you know i don't I don't know if they're quite on par with the places you just mentioned but i've been to i've had some good barbecue just in the dfw metroplex area sure. yeah. as well so yeah Good deal. Um, well, you know, uh, we mentioned uh, some of the great Texas songwriters. Um, Towns Van Zant, Rodney Crowell, Guy Clark, Steve Earle. Um, you know, there is another guy who uh, should be added to that list who's made some great music. And uh, his name is Will Johnson. You guys might remember Will from uh, some great bands, South San Gabriel and Centromatic. Uh, Will's also put out some of his own material, which is really superb as well. So we are really honored to have Will on the show to talk about baseball and to talk about music. He's also going to tell us a little bit about his artwork as well. So uh, we recorded this portion earlier and uh, to accommodate Will's schedule, and we're we're kind of we, we're going to weave it in this episode. So uh, you'll see us change clothes. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we are really, I can't, um, state enough how, uh, how honored we are to have Will on the show. And, uh, so enjoy our interview with Will Johnson. Will Johnson, 
formerly of Centromatic and South San Gabriel. Uh, Will is the Tommy Herr of North Texas rock and roll. So we are so glad that Will is here with us. Will, how are you doing? I'm really good. I'm really good. Thank you. Great, great. Excellent. Um, so we wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, obviously, our subjects here. Uh, spring training's right around the corner. And I know, Will, you're a lifelong Cardinals fan. Um, how do you view the Cardinals going into 2015? Well, um, given the strange way that everything ended um, and the very sad nature of the end of the season with the loss of Oscar Tavares and all that, uh, you know, it's, there's definitely some unexpected uh, unexpected things on the horizon without a doubt. I'm real curious. Like one thing I'm real curious about is to see how Hayward fits in. And of course, you know, how he, how he deals with, with, uh, how he, how he starts dealing with the lefties and how they start getting Carlos Martinez into the starting rotation. I think that Martinez was pretty right for the picking for that last year. And for sure his time is here this year. And in my opinion, he's one of, you know, he's one of the more exciting pitchers to watch in baseball and uh, so my hopes are high for him I think you know I think they'll be in the thick of things I'm real curious honestly I'm real curious about um, how the Cubs are going to stack up in the central this year I think the moves that they've been making are are, are pretty amazing and and I think you know it's going to be interesting to see how all those puzzle pieces fit together it'll be interesting to see also if they wind up truly being the contenders that they're spending the money to to be you know um but without a doubt i think the central is just going to be i think it's going to be even more exciting this year so i'm i'm naturally all all buttons are flush to the console this time of year anyway just because the sun's starting to come back out and pitchers and catchers are record reporting very shortly and all that so uh but but with all that said i do think the i feel like the central is going to be as exciting as ever this year yeah for sure absolutely absolutely um well yeah good stuff there i i like the comment about hayward uh to me that's a guy that's really i think bound to break out you know he hasn't in in atlanta he didn't necessarily put up the numbers i think that people thought yeah um and then you know he's coming to a winning team in st louis and uh a team that I think is expected to contend. So uh, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for that. You know, I mean, a lot of a lot of players. It's it's been a strange phenomenon over these last 10, 15 years at least. But a lot of players that you think may maybe you know their skills are diminishing some, or maybe they're falling off a little bit, have come to St. Louis and totally resuscitated their careers. Namely, pitchers for the most part, but still. Also, I Carlos kind of Beltran to see, too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Precisely. You know. Um, yeah. And and even even going back to like Jeff Weaver in '06. I mean, that was something oh, right. that I had I had real like I don't know not doubts, but my eyebrows were certainly raised when they made that move in late July of '06, and they got him over to St. Louis, and then he winds up being a hero of the World Series. And I don't think anybody really saw that coming. Uh, so I don't know. That's backtracking a bit but but at the same time i'm real curious to see how the new environs maybe uh affect and hopefully inspire hayward i think he's a great ball player and i'm super excited that he's on the team i hate the circumstances that you know that brought him over and uh i you know it's been 
and it's been really since Pujols was on the rise years ago that I was that excited about a Cardinal future with Oscar Tafaras. I really just thought there was so much natural, raw, and incredibly beautiful talent there within that kid. And so to lose him was obviously a tragedy far beyond baseball, but to family and friends and, you know, like his community without a doubt. But uh, but given the circumstances, I'm hopeful that Hayward will fit into things, you know, well in St. Louis. Yeah, you, you mentioned Pujols, Will. Uh, the organization really seems to rebound after losses really well. You know, I mean, you cut, yeah, I mean, they, they severed ties with a guy that was sort of like the, you know, he was, guy was putting up like Lou Gehrig type numbers, you know, for most, yeah. of, most of his career. And then he goes to Anaheim and it, I, you know, it, I wish the guy well, but it just, it was just a precipitous drop off, man, right away in Anaheim. So the Cardinals really kind of made out like bandits on that one. They sure did, and I didn't totally see that coming either. But then again, it just goes to show that I don't know a fucking thing about baseball. <laughs> you know, I just don't know anything about baseball. I love it, but I, you know, I, I may doubt a move or be suspicious of a move, and then it winds up being, you know, something like that to where it truly does work out for the better. And there's no way I could have seen that coming. Yeah, beauty of it, you can't predict. Yeah. Uh, excellent. Well. I wanted to um, ask you, you know, the Cardinals have been good for quite a while now and um, really probably probably the the elite National League franchise now that Atlanta's kind of dropped off a little bit. Um, are there any downsides to being a Cardinals fan? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, that's a really good question. I wasn't prepared for that one. You know, I'm... <laughs> There was one downside of being a Cardinals fan. It wasn't a downside, actually, but it was just slightly difficult with many, many of my best friends who are lifelong and diehard Rangers fans. It was really October of 2011. My phone went silent for a good while there, and (laughs) and understandably so. I just wasn't hearing from many of my buddies for a while. And uh, so that was a little bit of a lonely patch, I suppose, but but not a downside or anything. I was obviously happy with with the result and the outcome. I didn't like it for all of my Rangers pals and uh, my, you know, even for the Rangers themselves, I, I find them to be a, a likable organization. There's a lot of ball players on that team that I really loved from that particular edition of, uh, of the Texas Rangers. So in a way it was a little difficult and conflicting, but as far as downside, I wouldn't call it a downside at all. It was just a little bit of a lonely patch, I suppose, but <laughs> Hey man, if I get to be lonely and cheer on a world series winner, I'll take that. Yeah, absolutely. I'll take that. Uh, That's okay. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> well, um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, – Jonathan's got a few questions here about some of the baseball paintings you've been doing, um, which you can check out on Will's website at will-johnson.com. Um, so, Jonathan, I'm going to hand it over to you for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I've uh, will these these paintings that you do um with with the ball players um like a like a quick brief bio that they contain next to them and and I have the Roberto Clemente uh hanging in my house here and and um uh the Pete Rose one uh has uh, uh donned my cubicle wall before. Um and uh so I was curious about uh you know how you started started the paintings and then how you decide, uh, um, you know, who to paint and, and what kind of bio info to include? Um, I started doing those things maybe six, seven years ago. And really the result 
they kind of they kind of cropped up. I moved into an apartment. I got through a breakup, moved into an apartment, and honestly just didn't have a ton of stuff to hang on the walls that I liked. So I figured, man, I'm just going to make some paintings to hang on my walls to kind of, I don't know, spruce this place up a little bit. It was honestly a home decor decision, or you know, predominantly yeah. <laughs> a home decor decision. Uh, and then after, after I did a couple of them, I really discovered that I enjoyed learning more about the history of the game that I've loved for all my life through each painting, each one, you know, the research for each painting taught me a little something new about, you know, players that had been on my horizon since as far as I can remember. I mean, Hank Aaron and Roberto Clemente, of course, but then but then I started to dig a little bit deeper into the history of it and to some of the lesser-known players and some players that kind of flew under the radar of uh, household name status. And then I started painting some of those guys as well and really it was just a transmission of the story I, I really wanted to I wanted to at the same time learn more about these players but also kind of share the story with the viewers of the paintings um, so you know for instance a lot of people didn't know that Moses Fleetwood Walker you know spoke several different languages and you know was was stabbed within you know mere inches of his life you know at one point after his career, um, a lot of people didn't know that Eddie Goodell was a was a riveter in World War II because you know he 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 could fit into small spaces, oh, so no he kidding, got yeah. jobs like that a lot of the time. Um, so anyway, there's just a handful of things that kind of crop up with with every painting or two that that, that really that just teach me something new about this game that I've loved so much, and so that's a lot of the purpose and a lot of the motive. Uh, for making these paintings so and i may go from a really famous player i mean i may go from a a casey stingle painting or a or a babe ruth painting and jump right over to you know something lesser known um like pinky whitney or you know uh goodness uh i paint recently that was a little bit off the radar uh oh man i'm blanking right now um well, yeah, you've even had rate, uh, guys like Carlos Anyway, I'll just kind of bounce around a little bit and, and, and go from the well-knowns down to, you know, regional ball players from Texas that I just want to learn more about or maybe want to focus on doing a collection of Texas ball players. Um, so it just kind of depends. Yeah, and even the, uh, the ballparks, uh, uh, that you've covered a few ballparks as well. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, I've always kind of been fixated on ballpark and stadium just in general stadium architecture i think some of the thought and some of the decisions that go into to uh to to making some of these 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 stadiums and baseball particular just because you can get pretty quirky with measurements and you know even putting a hill with a flagpole in center field or you know whatever however you want to do it but i i get real fixated with it i think it's it's pretty amazing uh it's just an amazing piece of architectural history just the history of the stadium in our country and so every now and again if i get time i'll just paint a stadium that i'm kind of into or that i think uh is is kind of legendary at least in my mind uh and that can go from major league yards down to you know down to old minor league ball yards that existed in dallas or even alpine texas 
uh, it doesn't really matter. I think it's more the story behind the stadium that kind of inspires me to uh, to have a go at those. I did recently just finish this very large two-panel stadium piece of uh, disco demolition night in nice. Nike Park in 1979. It's a pretty chaotic painting, but it was a whole lot of fun to make. Yeah, the Tribune released some photos from that night um, a few years ago, um, and they're just they're 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 great photos, man. If you if you get a chance to to go, yeah, I look at them. There's yeah. a lot of nudity in my painting, I, and you know my my kids have questions, but whatever, <laughs> it's out there for the taking. <laughs> Nice. Well, when we hit the big time, Will, we'll have you uh, commission a, rock, a Shinsu Chu one that you can do. All right. Yeah, by all means. He's <laughs> yeah, so absolutely. Um, excellent. I, by the way, also, the Clemens one really is, is great, man. I, I really, uh, I yeah. really, the Clemens one, it uh, really captures that yeah. moment really well. It's yeah. a little dark. It's a little dark. <laughs> You know, he's got better things to do than get upset with me, I suppose. But he does hang around Austin a lot. His kid is pitching for the Longhorns now, I guess. And uh, he's hanging around Disfault Field every now and again. But, again, he's probably got better things to do than come after me. And it actually, it, he can't say anything because those are the words that he spoke right out of his mouth in front of the Supreme Court. So I right. figured I'll just use his quote. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, he was – Roger was my, my, my first favorite player um, as I got into baseball in the early 90s and uh, late yeah. 80s, early 90s. And, uh, you know, after he went to the Yankees and I, you know, kind of wrote him off as, you know, being a traitor or whatever. But uh, the steroids probably played a bigger role in, in my attitude towards him. But, yeah, looking at your, your painting of him, I, I almost feel like I need to uh, have that hanging on my own walls just to kind of bring closure to – uh, uh, to to my appreciation of what he did and to what he turned into. Yeah, I think, you know, without a doubt, it, I can't dismiss that guy entirely for the fact that there there's a chapter of his career that is astonishingly good. I mean, it is undeniable. It's just yeah. an undeniable thing. And it's really joyous to get to watch that. Uh, but you're right. I mean, I think what it turned into and in turn kind of what he turned into in the shadow of it all is really a little mystifying and, and honestly a little disturbing at times. I mean, I've reread that quote probably 50 times and uh, it is it's still just mystifying to me. It's unbelievable to try to figure out the circuitry that was kind of going on in his mind at that time when he gave that answer. Yeah, he's he's pretty fascinating in that sense. Absolutely. I don't ever want to meet him. I really don't. <laughs> I, I don't. <laughs> no. Whatever. No, no. Yeah. Um, well, uh, could you, uh, you're going on a living room tour of the, of the Southeast right now, Will. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the inspiration for the living room tour and uh, how's it been going? It's been good. You know, I'm only a couple shows in right now, so thankfully the car still smells pretty good. It doesn't smell like, you know, regional jerky and, like, <laughs> sadness yet. So it's good. You know, the laundry's clean and the shows are going good. They're they're mostly all selling out. And um, it's fun. I, I, it's 
I'm doing an annual Valentine's night show tonight in a tiny little town called Waverly, Alabama. And I think this is the third or the fourth one that I've done. And it takes place in this 1800s schoolhouse. And I guess they pack maybe 50 of us in there and, uh, people dress up and bring food and stuff like that. It's kind of a fun scene, but the, the, the real joy that comes from doing tours like this is that uh, it just peels things back and kind of puts everybody on neutral turf as opposed to your standard venue climate where you may have talkers at the bar or, you know, flat screen TVs going or, you know, just peripheral stimulation that we necessarily want when trying to experience music. And uh, I think it changes. I think it changes. It changes folks' behavior uh, just for the fact that you know, everybody's kind of got to make a special effort to find the place and know about the show. You know, there's no press, there's no radio, there's no advertisement. It's really strictly word of mouth. And so, uh, I think it intensifies things a little more when it's when it's done like that. But it also hopefully makes the experience a little more memorable too. You know, each show's kind of its own snowflake. And so, um, so I like to do it, you know, the overhead's low. I carry an acoustic guitar and I don't work with a set list. I just kind of walk in about 10 minutes before the show and, and I'm stuff. And, and Very cool, man. We'll keep up the good work. Uh, Will's going to be in Birmingham on the 15th and then Atlanta on the 16th and, down to St. Pete on February 18th. So uh, while you're on the road, Will, um, what, uh, what's what been on the dial, man? What have you been listening to? Man, I've been listening to the recordings of this great songwriter named Mickey Newberry. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. Texas guy, and he's, you know, he passed away maybe 12, 13 years ago. But uh, he uh, he's kind of one of those songwriters that was revered and loved by many uh, much more famous songwriters, and he wrote for he wrote for people as well. But uh, he's he's the one mentioned in the song Lukenbach, Texas, actually, when they're talking about um, Hank Williams' pain songs and or Hank Williams' train songs, Newberry's pain songs. Uh, that, that's the reference to Mickey Newberry, and uh, so I've been kind of obsessing over his writing lately. And then also, goodness, what else is in here? What else I've been listening to a little bit lately? Um, a little bit of uh, this writer named Sam Amadon. He's a Vermont songwriter. I really like him a lot. And uh, my friend Anders Parker's new record. Been listening to that a good bit. And uh, then this Polish, like this is going to be a little out of left field, but I listened to this yesterday and I loved it. But it's a Polish war metal band called Graveland. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a little all over the place these days. Good, good. Good stuff, man. Um, and you just finished uh, producing an album uh, that's going to be coming out uh, by Porter. Uh, yes, but Chris, that's right. We worked on that a little bit over a year ago at uh, my friend Britton's studio in Austin. It was great. It was a lot of fun. We only, I think, we only had four or five days. It was a pretty short session, but very, very productive. And uh, I'm excited for that thing to hopefully come out before too long. It's a really, really fun session to do. Excellent. Well, Will, for uh, for the final question here, man, um, 
let's say Will Johnson is uh, is up to bat in the major leagues. What's going to be his walk-up song? <laughs> I lost sleep on this a little bit last night. You know, you guys mentioned <laughs> you might ask me that. Um, but I found one. I found one I really like, and it's a song I've been coming back to a little bit lately just from this hip-hop artist that I really love named Mad Lib, and uh, he's a very well-known producer and, and uh and collaborator, but there's a song that he's got called, uh, he's put together called The Rumble, and about the 30-second mark of that song is right where I would probably want to drop the song in over a stadium PA system. My daughter's obsessed with the song. She really loves it, too, and uh, I think I think that would have to be my pick right now, just right right behind uh, maybe like Head Over Heels by Tears for Fears, which I love a lot, too. Right on. So, nice. <laughs> good choice well everybody can find out more about will's music and his paintings at will-johnson.com will keep up the great work and we really appreciate you talking to us man thank you guys so much for having me along it sound, I, I think you guys are doing a really cool thing here and uh congrats on the podcast and uh onward definitely thank you thank, thank you, you so we much. appreciate it will all right, well, thanks. Big thanks to Will Johnson for uh, for coming on the show and talking about his music. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, and absolutely, and his artwork as well, which he does some really, really cool – he talked about during the interview – some really cool baseball paintings. Um, you can find out more about Will at will-johnson.com. Find out about his music, tour dates, his artwork. Yeah, uh, really I, nice guy. I highly yeah. recommend uh, if anybody's uh, ever hosted a living room show. I've, I've hosted Will uh, three times now here in Kansas City. Uh, for a, a living room show, he literally just shows up, like he said, uh, with his acoustic guitar, uh, and he sits down and, and plays uh, plays a set for you know it, it, we we have about twenty twenty five people in the house uh, that buy tickets, and uh, it's a pretty awesome experience, uh, yeah. especially to have one of your favorite songwriters uh, uh, play in your living room, uh, let alone to have it done three times. So people should really. Uh, try to jump on that that bandwagon and hosting these musicians it's it's a pretty pretty neat deal yeah, absolutely That's awesome yeah so uh go to the website and uh you can find out more about the the living room uh tours that that will's doing check Maybe out the paintings for sure i think everybody should they're really cool the yeah, paintings are great yeah. yeah absolutely and uh and and uh check out the will's will's got a great catalog of music behind him too and and in front of him as well so we look forward to what he's going to do next um so this gets us to the point the point of the show where our bullpen session where we recommend some stuff we've been listening to lately uh that we recommend to you and we'll post on our website kind of where you can find out more about the bands uh post a couple clips from youtube you know whether live or or studio kind of the best stuff we can find from the artist so um i want to go ahead and jonathan why don't you start us and then uh we'll go over to levi and then uh then I'll talk about mine a little bit as well. So what sure. have you been listening to? Well, uh, I'm going to go ahead and make another plug here for Will. Uh, it's it's my favorite Centromatic album. It's called Fort okay. Recovery. Uh, this, uh, this came out in 2006. It was a few albums ago for them. And uh, uh, it's just it's awesome songwriting, awesome production. Uh, uh, they, they do a lot of their own production, and uh, it's, it's pretty great. There's even a, a baseball bent on this one, uh, a song called... Calling Thermatico, uh, which uh, while um, uh, they, they played here on this tour, uh, they played down the street at the record bar. 
Uh, I believe Calling Thermatico was dedicated to Bo Jackson uh, that night. Uh, I know his baseball too. He does. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and and I th- I think I've heard or read Will say that he wrote it about um, uh, Barry Bonds and kind of the steroid era and the idea of these guys kind of being superheroes. Right. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, Centromatic Fort Recovery. Uh, though check out their whole catalog. It's it's pretty phenomenal. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Deal, Fort Recovery by Centromatic. Excellent. Um, Levi, what about you? Well, my Texas uh, link is a band called Woe Fat that I oh, found. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And uh, it's W-O-F-A-T, which is also, I guess, uh, the name of the villain in Hawaii Five-O. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. And so uh, they're, they're a Texas stoner doom metal band from mm-hmm. Dallas, and... They formed around 2003, and uh, the record I've been listening to is called The Black Code, and it's from 2012, and it's just, I don't know, if if I had to compare it to something, it would be maybe like, uh, like is it Caius? The, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I would say it has a little bit of a, that kind of a sound to it, but um, it's excellent, and I want to throw in really fast, I just found this record yesterday. They're not from Texas, but I want to show it off. I had no idea what it was. It said Count Buffalo's Emergency. I was like, it's $2. I'm going to buy it. It is from Japan, and it's a Japanese uh, jazz disco funk record (laughs) with this drummer. Waiting for someone to say that. (laughs) Yeah, like I guess this famous drummer is the leader of the band. He was famous in Japan. His name was Akira Ishikawa. And he's got his picture in here, and uh, he's got a little afro and, like, glasses and his little Fu Manchu and drumsticks. Yeah, it's awesome. Nice. And it, it's a really, really good record for just never, ever hearing of them. Right on. Yeah, there's so many good um, kind of, I don't know, global discoveries, you know, yeah. find out there. I mean, there's so much good music being made and has been made in other parts of the world that, you know, thanks to the Internet, uh, you know, the Internet's certainly taken its toll on some on 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 certain the music industry but it's also just kind of opened up a, a huge world of oh, uh, yeah it's of, yeah. Of, of of different music that's really happening in a lot of different corners of the world so yeah good yeah. recommendation yeah so, we should uh, emergent, um, sorry could you repeat the title again levi what yeah the band is called count buffaloes count buffaloes okay yeah and the name of the album is called emergency cool and uh what the first thing that drew me to it is at the top it says pro direct cut which is like kind of like an audiophile term for like this record's going to sound really good. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, I'll, ch- I'll check it out, you know, for what it was. And it's on Toshiba EMI. Mm. I guess uh, Capital EMI was hmm. partnered with Toshiba in Japan. Mm. Okay, yeah. cool. We'll have to include that in the uh, yeah, international. Check that. There, there are some YouTube videos, I think, of it. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll dig it up, and we'll uh, we'll put it in our international scouting portion of the blog where we talk about uh, yeah. uh, 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 international music. Um, so yeah, nice. that'll definitely be included. Yeah. Definitely, good deal. You know the the since we're we're you know talking about Texas and Japan, um, but, uh, <laughs> to talk about Texas as well. Um, you know, Levi mentioned this band Woe Fat, who I who I've heard, and uh, I I really I dig them as well. Um, uh, there is another band that's kind of um, 
I don't want to do them a disservice by saying, you know, they're cut from the same cloth, but certainly share some of the same influences that Wolf had. And that's a band called The Sword. Um, oh, yeah, excellent. Swords, the Swords from the Austin area. And, um, and yeah, I think they put out four or five records now. And, uh, yeah, really good stuff. You know, they're great band. They're certainly uh-huh. in the stoner metal genre. Um, the thing I like about, I, I mean, like you play any of the bands that get that label, like Stoner or kind of Doom, you know, I, I, I like most of it. Like, I would say yeah. I probably like Nine because it's, it seems like to me, like Masters of Reality by Black Sabbath is like the blueprint for all of them. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's one of the greatest records ever made. Well, so, I, so I actually have a sword story. Oh, yeah. Uh, the I don't know if they've played it multiple times, but the, the year they played Bonnaroo. Mm-hmm. They played right before Mastodon at the same stage. Another good heavy band. Yeah, and I like Mastodon. <laughs> and we weren't sure what was coming on before. It just said the sword, and everybody's like, oh, I don't know who they are. And they came out, and the first song they played was How Heavy This Axe. Yeah, which, which is, is a great, a great song. song. <laughs> yeah. And they were so loud and so heavy my friend was like, who the hell are these guys? And I was like, I have no idea. And then I ended up coming home and buying that album. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. They, um, they, were, they were excellent live. Absolutely. I, I like their first record. The, I like all their records, but I like the first one the most because I think it's a little – I think it's the rawest one. I think it's called um, Age of Winter, I think. Uh, we'll, we'll double check that. But, um, anyway, yeah, uh, their stuff's good. Uh, the later records, you know, have kind of better production values, but I really like the rawness of their first record. Um, so yeah, so good stuff there coming out of Texas, Centromatic, Woe Fat, and The Sword. Did you have a, did you say a specific album there for The Sword? Um, you know, I, uh, you weren't sure the name. Yeah, it's their first one, um. Okay. It's not the one that has it's how Age heavy this is. Yeah, Age of Winters yeah. is, cool. is yeah. the one I like a lot. Um, yeah, that second one is the one I ended up buying. That one's good, too. Yeah, they're, I, they don't really have any bad records. Um, well, and believe it or not, at that Bonnaroo, I ended up liking them better than Mastodon. Oh, yeah. Like, it was just one of those cases where they yeah. just came out and impressed more. Right. Yeah. right. They're a little less conceptual than Mastodon is, probably. Yeah. 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 Um, but anyway, good stuff coming out of yeah. Texas uh, yesterday and today, and and hopefully tomorrow too. So, um, well, that concludes this episode of Rock and Roll Shinsu Chu. Hope you enjoyed it. You can check out our website at rockchu.com. So, some good stuff there, as well as you can follow us on Twitter uh, and Instagram. Our handle is at rock in that's the letter in as in nancy chu uh and then uh also you can like us on our on facebook as well so like our facebook page uh you can listen to us on soundcloud downcast consume us yes go on itunes as well for those of you who do listen to us on (coughs) excuse me on itunes go on there and leave us a good review please um or you know because that that kind of builds our our clout on iTunes. So, so please do that for us, um, as well and tell all of your friends. Um, so signing off here, rock and roll Shinsu Chu episode 19. We'll see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye.